This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church, www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org. I want to talk about your place in the coming civil war, your place in this coming civil war. First Chronicles chapter 12, we're going to read verse 23 and 32. So if you're dyslexic, you'll get into one of those. Unless you're in 1 Chronicles 21, then you'll miss it completely. 1 Chronicles 12, verse 23 and 32. Now, these are the numbers of the divisions equipped for war who came to David at Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul to him, according to the word of the Lord. Of the sons, verse 32, of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times. This is one of the groups that came to help King David in his um, move into the kingdom as king. Of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their kinsmen we're at their command. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we see how important your word is, how it instructs us in every manner, in every way, that we have your truth. And we praise you for that, oh God. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us today to hear from your word. May it not return to you void. May it accomplish its purpose. May you work in each heart. Oh, Lord, we pray for your spirit, for your help, that you would remove every spiritual distraction, everything that would take our eyes off you and our Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our society, in case you haven't been noticing anything at all going on in the world. Our society is fragmented. You can read it in the news. You can see it on TV and Internet. You can feel it in the air. Visible marks of this fragmentation is violence. And we could see that the division in our country is along several lines. Liberal versus conservative thoughts or Marxist versus capitalist ideologies, immoral versus moral desires, anarchist versus establishment individuals. And not just in this country. If you're paying attention at all, you can see that it's Uh, all around the world. And this is what separates our time in history from every other time in history. We began to see something like this ramping up at the beginning of the 20th century. We had world wars that came into play. And we had people under the throes of dictators, tyrants, who sought to rule the world. And 
That's what we see is setting this time apart. Not only is this division occurring here in our country, it's occurring if you follow any foreign news throughout the world. Jesus said that these times would, would come in which global chaos would reign. He said in Matthew 24, because lawlessness is increased, the love of many will grow cold. And that means that even those who might otherwise have been considered normal people will suddenly lose any kind of decency. They will throw up great defensive walls. They will become indifferent and even hostile toward others who are unlike themselves. In generations past, often differences might have been discussed civilly, logically. They, they might have occurred in debate and without violence, but now we're living in a different time. Marxists and anarchists have always sought to bring change by violent upheaval. Uh, in modern history, we've seen it as, as early as the French Revolution, um, which continued to just propagate more and more violence. Um, and yet, that has also become the demise of those groups as well. But we may very, we, we may very well see this encompassing, this kind of thing, this division, encompassing our entire nation. And, and I want you to understand what your part in this is. We're not to be afraid. We're to understand that this ought to be, if we see what's going on and see the time in Bible history we are in, it ought to cause us a great zeal to be about what God would have us to be about. So what is your place in all of this? Where are you to stand in this coming or we might say present civil war? There's usually three main groups that occur that, that are in any given civil conflict. There are those who are the established, the establishment, the conservative group. There is then the new regime, the, the, the rebel or the progressive and then there is a group that does not take sides. There's a group that does not take sides. Now, these who are in the middle are variously called all kinds of names, traitor, coward, um, or uh, other names that, that I really can't say here. These people who, because of convictions that they have, are getting shot at by both sides. It's easier to hide behind a party wall, behind an ideology, behind a yard sign, behind a flag, and be shot by one side than to be aimed at by both who do not understand why you're not throwing all your eggs into their basket. So I want to call you this morning to consider what might be a more difficult, though I believe biblical path, in understanding where you are to walk and to not take sides with either group in this coming 
present civil war, and if necessary to be labeled nasty things and even maybe attacked physically. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that we jettison obvious, clear, conservative, biblical truth, nor do we cave in to wrong political agendas and apologize or atone for things we did not do, nor should I say that we do not carry on civil discussion on issues of the day when proper. And I'm going to actually talk about how to do that, but neither am I saying that you should isolate yourself from others or remain silent. The issues that are being brought up that we ought to engage about are the very thing that God wants to use to use you to carry out His work. And I am saying that the time has come to consider a different way from what you might be used to than before this time of a coming civil war. Excuse me, but my allergies have dried out my throat and... um, it's, it's a bad season this year. You know, in heaven, there won't be any allergies. Have I told you that before? I think I've told you that every year for the last 20-plus years. Um, first, you have to recognize this. We are in, an, in a time of impending judgment. We are ripe for impending judgment by God. Uh, We are in danger of becoming rotten for judgment. And if God does not bring judgment on our nation soon, it is because He is long-suffering. And He is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Recognize that we are in a time of impending judgment. Secondly, if you are living in a fashion, in a way that neglects how the world has changed and is preparing to receive this coming global ruler called Antichrist via the propaganda, the preparation of a pagan worldview in the suppression of the knowledge of God, then you're going to be ineffective in carrying out your work for the Lord Jesus. You ought to expect, we ought to expect as this time is approaching, growing demonic activity in the world. As Paul describes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says that there is going to be a great delusion. And I believe that that's coming and being, God is releasing His hand. God has held this back, this tide and I believe he's, he's laying it out little by little so that Jesus said that if possible, even the, the very elect might be deceived. So that when that time that, that the Spirit of God releases fully His hand against this coming Antichrist, um, 
it will be a time of great delusion. And, and we need to see that. We need to recognize that. What does it mean we have to do? Number one, Peter says, because the end of all things is near, you ought to be sober in spirit for the purpose of prayer. If we don't ramp up our prayer with the ramped up demonic activity against us, we will fall. More and more will fall into this time of falling away of the church. And if you're to live rightly in this time, you have to understand who you are in Jesus Christ and what that means for you. If you miss this, you will miss your opportunity to glorify God in the times in which you're living. We, we need to recognize that. So who are you? Who are you? When I say you have to understand who you are to recognize this, recognize this. There are only two types of people in, in God's viewpoint. There are two types of people. Either you are a child of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in His death and resurrection, or you are a child of the devil. Uh, it's not my opinion. I'm not making that up. It's very clearly taught in the Scripture. Jesus says that. He makes that clear in His Word. There's no other option. There's one or the other. There's no middle ground. You're not, well, I'm spiritual. Well, I'm religious. Well, as a sinner, you're separated from God and under His wrath. We're all born in that condition. And if you die in this condition, you will perish in the lake of fire forever and ever. And yet, what do we know? God is rich in mercy. He's not willing any should perish because He sent His Son in our place to die on our behalf, to suffer for our sin. While we were enemies with God, God did this. It doesn't... If just because you believe in God or I believe in Jesus, it doesn't mean you're no longer under His wrath. Because you can just believe to no effect. You can just believe those things but never have received them. Jesus said to believe on Him means to receive Him as Savior. God made it clear you have to be born again by the Spirit of God through faith and to be free from this wrath. Jerry, you were in a situation just like that. You sought after God, you were religious, you, you wanted to know God, and yet you came to a place where you said, I'm not born again. I've not been born. How do I get? How do I become born again? You were in that very, your own testimony uh, speaks of that thing. You can be seeking after God, you can be religious, but if there's not been a time in your life when you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are under the wrath of God. That's why Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Him, whoever receives Him as Savior, should not perish, but have eternal life. So, I'm addressing you concerning this coming civil war. You who have been born again, there's been a time where you've recognized your condition before God. You've called upon Him, Lord Jesus, save me. Give me this gift of eternal life. I'm addressing you and who you are in Him. If you are here and you have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, then 
you need not be concerned about this coming or present civil war. What you need to be concerned about is your warfare against God. If you've not received Christ, you're at war with God. And you need to take care of that. You have to settle that. God's made a way for that to be taken care of. And so I have one statement for you, or maybe a couple of sentences. Repent. That means to turn from your thought that you can earn your way to heaven, that your own goodness can get you to heaven. Repent, turn from that idea, and then receive Jesus Christ. What He did on the cross was sufficient to pay for all your sin, past, present, future. He took care of all of it, so you'd no longer be at war with God, but it's contingent on God's promise. Scripture says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I was Friday night, my, my daughter and I, we were, we were walking in downtown north, and we were just sharing the gospel uh, with people. We spoke, we were speaking with these two gentlemen, and, and I just said, listen, God has made this promise for you. Whoever will call on the name, I said, it's like, it's like someone who's drowning, and they call out for rescue to someone nearby. If you realize you're drowning in your sin, that if you were to die in the condition you're in and you call out, Lord, save me. Give me this gift of eternal life. God's promise is He will do it. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so you need to understand that. But if you've never received Him, you need to receive Him today. We'll have an invitation at the end. It's focused this morning on those who already know Him. But if you've yet to receive Him, you can come forward. Somebody will pray with you and receive Christ as your Savior. So you can do that. But listen, if you are here as a child of God, you need to see who you are so you can stand in the midst of this time So you can be like those people, those men of Issachar, who knew the times, understood what they had to do. It wasn't an easy time to say, we're going to make King David, we're going to make him king, we're going to come before... There was still a civil war that took place after that between Saul's descendants and David. But they made the decision, it says they knew what they needed to do. So the first thing here, if you were to glorify God... And the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to know this. You are an ambassador for Christ. If you've received Christ as your Savior, you are an ambassador for Christ. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, he says, Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, I know some of you may pull out your passport and it, it says USA or maybe another country. But I'll tell you, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, you have a spiritual passport that says heaven. And your visa is going to expire here in this country at some point. And you're going to go back to your homeland. See, this isn't your home. You need to see this. God saved you from your sin and He prepared you for heaven. And yet God has left you here at this point as a foreigner in a country for a purpose. 
He's kept you here for a purpose. You're an ambassador for Christ. You know, a ruler will send delegations or ambassadorships to other countries to bring his message to that country. They represent their home country in a foreign land. They are not citizens of the country in which they are currently living. And if you have more affinity for this country than your country, as a child of God, you have your focus wrong. That's why Paul said, set your mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. For your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's your citizenship, not here. You need to live in that sense, in that way. You have a message from the King of Heaven. That's why you're still here. That's why you're still here. You have a message from the King of Heaven. You are tasked with giving this message of good news to to people who live in this country. Now, this message may not cause you to be liked by the citizens of this country. Jesus said that. Jesus said in Matthew 22, he, He told this parable of this king who is preparing this great, this lavish feast. And the people he had invited didn't want to come. He told his servants, go out and tell others to come to my feast. Everything's ready. You know what the response of some of the people were? It says they mistreated and shamed those servants who told them. You'd think it would be the other way around. I'm invited to a feast. This is great. I'm going. Not so. Not so. It wasn't what took place. They had no time for such a message. But listen, even if others will ridicule you and reject you because of the message of the good news of salvation, it does not diminish our responsibility. As an ambassador, you're responsible not to take sides, as hard as that may be. You're responsible to just give the message to the inhabitants of the country in which you are a stranger and alien. This this hit home to me very clearly. I think it was 2017 uh, in one of the trips I made to Russia. I was was speaking. It was at that time that uh, Putin... Now, if I end up poisoned uh, in the next few weeks, you'll know why. Uh, uh, But uh, Putin at that point was going into these other countries uh, in, in kind of like military little secret forays to try to grab, grab more territory for Russia. That, that's, you look at the history of Russia, that's been ongoing for uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But he was in that mode, Crimea, Donetsk, uh, places like that, and um, I was talking to a young Christian at one of the churches I was at, and I said, ah, you know, isn't this, isn't this terrible that, that Putin's going in taking this, this land and doing that? And, and he's like, that's my president. I had to go back to him, and I said, I am so sorry. I am a foreigner in this land, and I ought not to have been speaking about your president here. I'm here for a different reason. I'm here to give a message from the God of heaven. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here in this country. Don't talk about 
their president. Don't talk about this one or that one because you're an ambassador for God. This isn't your country. Oh, but, but I'm an American. Which are you first? You're an ambassador for this country. And with this status, God has called you to seek the reconciliation of people to God. That's what Paul says and what Chris read this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Sorry. Paul said, and, and he starts off with this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. If you've received Christ, you have a new citizenship. You're not a child of the earth any longer. You're a child of heaven. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now these, all these things are from God who first reconciled us to himself and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us, he has committed to us this ministry of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is, this is what we're here to be about we are to seek to re- not divide, but to reconcile people to God. That's what we're to be about. We need to see this. We need to understand it and recognize it. In co- being called as an ambassador, a citizen of heaven, you need to seek to reconcile people with God. You're not reconciling people to God if you are setting yourself opposing other people. That's the difficult part of being a reconciler. That's the hard part of being a reconciler is not to set yourself against people because it's what we want to do even naturally. Our flesh wants to do that. And there there may be people so different from you that you're... We'll we'll learn about that tonight, won't we? Uh, with, With Christian Motorcycle Group... And uh, the people they reach out to, the people they reach out to, um, we need to see that, that they may be different people, so different that you may be indifferent toward them or hostile toward them. The Apostle Paul lived in such a situation. He was a Jew. He was sent to Gentile idol worshipers. There could be probably nobody with a greater division between themselves as a Jew and an idol worshiper. It was even painful for Paul sometimes as he, um, as he went to different places. Excuse me for a second. Excuse me. When he was in Athens, he, it's, the, the scripture says he was so troubled. He was so troubled by all the idolatry. It was said of Athens, it was written of Athens that there are more idols in Athens than people, which is probably true. They had them all over the place. 
corners everywhere, not just one, but dozens. And Paul, in looking at this, in, in, in his trouble, he was praying, God, how do I bring your message to these idol worshipers? And as he prayed, he passed by this idol and it said, Agnosti Dei, to the unknown God. And there, from history, we know there's about, I think, seven, originally seven of those idols in the city because of a situation uh, that, that had taken place. But Paul found it, and he said, I see you're very religious, you people. He preached to them. He said, I see, you know what, you people are so religious, and I've, I've, I've found an idol to the unknown God. This God whom you worship ignorantly, let me tell you about him. He made the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sin. He was praying, God, help me bring the gospel to these idol worshipers. Instead of saying, that's it, I'm out of here. These, this place is a mess. He said, God, help me bridge this gap. How do I bridge this gap, oh God? That's what you need to be praying. How do I bridge this gap between me and these people who are so different from me? Secondly, not only are, do you need to know you are an ambassador for Christ, secondly, you need to know you are to be all things to all people. You are to be all things to all people. How are you to take sides? How are you to not take sides? How are you to take this difficult path how did the Apostle Paul do it? How did he operate in a divided culture in first century Rome? It, it's just like where he was. That's what we're living in. So how did the Apostle Paul act as an effective ambassador and reconciler of all different types of people? He says it here in 1 Corinthians 9. In, in, in verse 19, he says, I'm free from every man. I'm free from all men, but I have made myself a slave so I may win more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew so I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though myself not being under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. I've become, I know how to live among Jews so that when I'm with them, I can tell them about Jesus Christ. And then he says, to those who are without the law, as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but I'm in lawed to Christ, so I might win those who are without the law. So when I'm among the Gentiles, I know not to raise things that aren't matters of the gospel. I don't, hey, why are you eating pork? What, what? He, he doesn't bring that kind of stuff up. He doesn't make any division in that realm. He brings in the gospel. And so he sees that. He had no problem to do that. And there was probably no more divided group than Jew-Gentile. And yet the Apostle Paul gave up certain rights that he had because of it. What that requires for you is first of all to see the great need of humanity for the Savior. What, what's the great need of humanity? The Savior Himself. You need to see that. You need to recognize it. And it requires humility. What? You mean not to, not to say this or, or that about 
It requires great humility. It requires the filling of the Holy Spirit. You need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. You need to have a sense of your duty and sacrifice that it will take to see the preciousness of people, how precious people are in the sight of God that will take something. People who may be difficult or even vile to you, the anarchists, the terrorists. But the love of God was big enough to bridge the gap so that even someone as vile as Saul of Tarsus, the murderer of Christians, was reached with the love of God so he became the Apostle Paul. That's how wide the gap is. Yes, even the terrorists of their day, the murderers of their day, the love of God reached them. And I believe Paul was reached by this young man being stoned to death by him when he cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. His own conscience bore witness to the testimony of that prayer. So let me ask you, if that could be done. I've heard the testimony of Sandinista Marxist rebels who have been saved. There was a group in this one country, I forget which country it was, South American country, and the people were planning to slit the throats. They had come into the village and they basically go into the village, they kind of take the food and kind of live there until they get found and then they run to another village and they do that, and all the while causing trouble. And the villagers said, we're going we're gonna, to um, slit their throats. But many of these people were Christians, and the chief, uh, the, the, the head person of the village said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're going to give them food. We're going to feed them. We're going to give our enemies food and drink, and thereby pour coals upon their head. And from that very thing, one of those terrorists came to Christ. And, and what about the Muslim terrorists who, who because of the risk those made to reach them have come to Christ. Now, God's most likely not calling you into such, to reach such extreme people. But what about that coworker on the other side of the political aisle? What are you going to do to sacrifice for them to show them the love of Jesus Christ? What about that activist who lives next door? With what words of grace are you going to minister the good news to them? Well, you don't understand how offensive that is what they believe to me. Fine. But in a hundred years from now, are you going to say to the Savior, are you going to look the Savior in the face and say, well, Lord, I just separated myself from them because I couldn't stand what they thought. I couldn't stand what they believed in. Lord, I know you put them in my sphere of influence in my life, but I rejected that because I wouldn't humble myself to share your love with them, you who died for them. Will will that difference really be worth that then? Will that difference really be so big then? that kept you from sharing the gospel with them? The Apostle Paul gave up certain rights, certain things in order to minister the gospel to more people. What about you? 
Are you willing to give up your life or other things? You know, when the Apostle Paul was in Ephesus, he was willing to risk his life. But you know what? For us, it doesn't really mean, at least not yet, here in our country, giving up our life. It may mean giving up our pride. It may mean giving up certain things we want to hold on to. And the Apostle Paul, when he was in Ephesus, if you, if you remember that, he was in Ephesus preaching the gospel. The whole of Asia heard the, heard the gospel and, and um, the idol worship business. The silversmiths were, were losing money. And there was a man named Demetrius who was a silversmith. He said, this guy, Paul, I'm sick of it. Nobody's buying our idols anymore. And they caused a riot. They just, they stirred up Ephesus. There's a riot. They, they caused this huge riot. In this, I mean, Ephesus was a major city. They, it was like Portland. It was just going, no, actually, they didn't destroy businesses in Ephesus. What happened was they took it to the public arena. They went to the public arena, and they had this outburst that, was, that could be heard miles and miles away. And Paul was willing to go in there. He says, let me go in and let me tell them the good news. His disciples wouldn't let him go because he'd probably be torn apart. But, torn apart. But, but Paul was so concerned for the love of God for those people. He was so concerned for the souls of those people. He was willing to give his life. If only he could just give them the gospel. What are you willing to get up, give up? In being all things for all people for the sake of the gospel. This is what I think you need to do by the grace of God, by the wisdom of God, to bring and redeem each conversation that you're involved in. Redeem each conversation and bring it back to the gospel. Well, how do you do this? Paul did it in Athens, like we said, to the unknown God. But you can bring all conversations back to the gospel. I don't know how. The, God, you're a different person. God can work that, though, whether it's you hear that motorcycle? Did you hear that? Whether it's riding a motorcycle and stepping up and sharing the gospel. I'm sure Nancy, recently they just led some people to the Lord in one of the groups. I'm sure she's going to share that tonight. But understand this. Recognize this. Um, ask God, according to your own personality, according to your, the work of God in your heart. God, how do I bring these conversations back to the gospel? God, what can you use in my life? You know, how's the weather? I don't know how to break. Well, it's really hot, but you know what? If, but it's not like going to be like what hell is. No, I don't. You probably don't want to do that. <clears throat> but you know, hey, what's up? Well, heaven's up. Do you want to go? Uh, yeah, I don't know how you do that, because each individual conversation needs the work of the Spirit. You know, I use springboards to be able to share the gospel. Like when we go out on. Friday nights in, in downtown North, you can ask my, my daughter about how, or any of my kids, how we do that. I'm timid. I'm really shy. I don't like going up to people and talking to them about Jesus. I, I, I'm really uncomfortable, but I know God tells me I need to do it. And so I've got these little optical illusion things that I just carry with me. And if I see a group of people, two or three or whatever, you know, I'll pass out tracks as people are walking down the street. But if there's like a group congregating, um, I'll, I, I take this optical illusion and say, hey, have you seen this? And they look at it and then they're amazed. And um, in that, with that, uh, after that, I said, well, I got one more question for you. And that's my springboard. I, I can't do it any other way, right? I can't do it any other way. I needed a springboard. And, um, and, and, and we, what is the spring? Ask God. 
God, what's the springboard you're going to use to bring me back, to allow me to bring conversations back to you? And when you're filled with the Spirit and God is showing you, okay, I can step in now. I can do this now. Ask God, how do you, how do you turn a conversation about the weather back to the Lord? How do you turn a conversation about BLM back to the gospel? How do you turn a conversation about abortion back to the gospel? How do you turn a conversation about LGBTQ plus back to the gospel? How do you turn a conversation of liberalism and conservatism back to the gospel? I'm going to give you four different ways to help you. Excuse me. Uh, Four different ways that you can think of to bring that back. And these aren't like do this and then this. It's reminders for us. Number one, don't get so caught up in a discussion of the issue that you forget the issue. A lot of times we're talking about an issue that's, that's close to our heart. We forget about the issue of the gospel. We get so wrapped up in that issue, we want to be right. We want to, so secondly, about that, don't try to win the argument as much as even giving ground for the sake of giving out the gospel. Okay, I'll give that to you. So if that's true, that, I'll give that to you. I don't care. But let me ask you, what has God done in your heart? What's God showing you now because of the law that he's written? Give ground to go back to the gospel. Oh, but I, you know, I, I, I was told by an older, wiser Christian uh, in that, you know, we would go out to Boston and try to share the gospel and do the sketch boards and, and that. <clears throat> but usually we get engaged with somebody at some point wanting to talk about evolution or abortion or, some, and, or the Bible, that it's true, it's God's word. <clears throat> and man, I want to win those. And this older, wiser Christian said, listen, it's a matter of pride that you want to win that. You're not here to win that. You're here to win that soul. You're here to give the good news so that God's Spirit can bring them to Himself. So don't try to win the argument. Don't get caught up in the discussion of the issue so you forget the issue. Don't try to win the argument as much as giving ground to be able to give the gospel. Thirdly, practice the golden rule. If you were wrong about something, as important as a topic that you're discussing, and even if you are wrong-headed in it, in what manner would you want someone to give you the truth? How would you want someone to give you the truth? And fourthly, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. We need to be putting on the armor of God, praying on the armor of God, Because if not, you will not be actively engaged, effectively engaged, if you don't take up the armor of God all the time. You will miss those opportunities, as I do often. Remember, you're you're an ambassador and reconciler to be all things to all people. And finally, you know what? This is one problem with being able to think long on some messages is that I think long, and the messages are really long. I'm going to talk about this last aspect. How can you really, how can you really give um, 
the gospel effectively in our society? How can you really be this one who is as wise? Uh, Carl and Nancy said that there's actually time for a message tonight after you're done, right? So I'm just going to take this one point afterwards. Tonight, I'm going to follow, I'm going to finish up this. But listen, you have to understand, number one, you're an ambassador. Number two, that uh, because you are an ambassador, you are to be all things to all people. And tonight, I'll tell you what this third um, way in order to be able to be wise in this coming civil war in which we are in. And um, yeah, somebody, I once preached for an hour and somebody said, what happened? I said, well, when I was, I was, I, I cut myself this morning shaving while I was thinking on my message. And they said, next time, think on your shaving and cut your message. <laughs> so... <clears throat> But I I, want to say this, God has left us here for a reason. He's given us a purpose to be ambassadors, to be all things to all people, and it requires humility, filling of the Spirit, recognizing that there is the issue among all these other little issues, and we're to be about the issue of the gospel. And again, as I said before, If you are here, and as I mentioned, if you realize today you're not a child of God, you need Him, we're going to take this time after I pray to um, have an invitation for you to come forward. Somebody will be here to pray with you to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Please take advantage of that if you realize you need to trust Christ. Don't put that off. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank You for this Thank you for this day. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, God, that you have left us here. Even in this time that we see that the, the, the end of all things is near. We see all of these things being prepared. A one world currency, a one world government, a, 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 a global angst in the hearts of the world. Oh, Lord, help us to be faithful ambassadors reconcilers that we might be all things to all people by which we might win some. Oh, Father, we thank you for this day. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please stand. We're going to sing Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. So as we, be, as we begin to sing, would you, would you come this morning? If you need to come, maybe you say, I need to repent of my sin. I need to repent. I've been so proud whatever it is. You come, you can pray here or in the front, and if you need Christ, you come. Someone will share how to pray and receive Him with you as we sing. You come on that first verse. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life for abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strange. 
in the light of his glory and grace. I've been asked to pray between verses. Join me in prayer, would you? Father in heaven, I've been so right about so many different things. But God, I want to be your ambassador. I want to focus upon the message that everyone needs to hear. Father, I want to be whatever it is I need to become for whatever someone needs in order to be able to hear. Father, I may be able to impart to them the good news that they need to know that God has already done everything, gone to every length to be reconciled to them and that he's calling out to them to be reconciled to God. Father, help me to be as that ambassador that you would have me to be for Christ's sake. I ask that in Jesus' name. Sing one more verse. We'll sing one more verse if you need to come. Take this time come and see God's face. As we sing on that second verse, you come. Through death into life everlasting He passed and we follow Him there Over our sin no more had dominion For more than Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's close together. Heavenly Father, how good you are. We do thank you, Lord, that in saving your people, you've called us to a a high and holy position of an ambassador. And yet your kingdom is such, your ambassadors are mistreated. We have no diplomatic immunity in this place except the work of your spirit. Father, we pray that you would help us, help us to walk in a manner to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Help us to be the ambassadors we ought to be. For your sake, for your glory, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.